Jones. This is now our second recording for the Go For Bronze podcast this week. Well, we had some technical difficulties around the first half, but we're going to wrap it up here for you this Friday night. And uh, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So what games have you been playing? I've been playing Persona 3. That's Now, that's the only game that I've been interested in playing at the moment, but it's also kind of the only thing I've been able to play. So as you may have heard in the first section here, uh, we kind of had to cut off because I was at a work thing and I was uh, secluded off and my internet there was blocking some of the things that I needed and my PlayStation was one of them. And so I had to use my hotspot, which got maxed out, which I'm sure you already know all about. But Persona 3 is what I've been playing. And then I thought I found a workaround for to play like multiplayer with the boys, you know, later in the week. And then that turned out to be a bust too. But Persona 3 is what I've been playing. I'm really enjoying it. I kind of I think I told Joel off, you know, off the show that it feels like Pokemon, like an anime Pokemon, which I've never really had it described to me that way. But it is attractive knowing that it's like kind of simple. Like it's a, you know, massive game, but it's not actually hard to digest. I think it's I think they give you all of the info little by little, so it's not that much. But I am also playing the one from 2009. And so I know that this is like an earlier version of eventually what would become the persona like as we know it today but i'm really enjoying persona 3 i'm just kind of continuing on with that i don't i don't really have that much to say about it because it's just it seems like it's just good persona and it's like a nice starting place for it and i know it's supposedly actually that's i was gonna say it only goes up from here but i was actually talking with a coworker, and they told me that in her like friend group people like persona 4 the most and then three and then five yeah there's a I've actually even heard people like 3 the most because I know 3 is like a very dark story compared to the other Persona games. I haven't played 3, so I don't know what the story and the subject matter is. But um, I do know that 3 is like, yeah, 3 is definitely in high regards. The first two games are kind of... I know the first game was a PlayStation 1 game. Nobody ever talked about the first Persona. I don't really know much about the second, but I think Persona 3 is really where the series kind of found its footing. So it could. it's definitely uh, well-regarded. The story at the moment isn't crazy dark. However, I could definitely see it being the darkest just in the sense that when you use a skill, like you use a persona ability, the way that all the characters do it is they pull out a gun and they shoot themselves in the head and then it spawns the persona every time. Yeah, that's a little dark, but right? <laughs> it's definitely not prevalent in four and five, but that's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And- Definitely wouldn't it, be able to be made into a, to a modern video game today. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's a couple of things that I definitely play, and I'm like, oh, this is a little back in the day that you're getting a little loose with some of the things here. But the that is cool, and it's like, yeah, so every character, before they spawn their persona, shoots themselves in the head with a pistol. But it's like all of them have a different way of like under the head, over the head. And it's like, yeah, that... It's weird because it's like you're... And it's not a very serious tone. There's like, you know, the jazzy persona music and turn-based combat, but they're shooting themselves in the head every time they do something. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy, honestly. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you're liking and enjoying it. I mean, it's probably, I haven't played it, but it's probably like the best, maybe the best way to enter the series. I know I was saying go four, five, and then three, if you got really into it. But that was just mainly because the games are so long. But, um, it's probably the most simplest out of those three games so if it's like plus if it's like pokemon your baby's first rpgs 
what you know the Pokemon's famously regarded to. This would probably be the first step into it. Plus, you know how we are anyway, since we share the massive library. You got Persona 4, and then I just kind of, you know, just like a reaction. I was like, okay, well, he got four. I'm going to get three. And then since I got three, I was like, well, I haven't heard anything about this one, so I'm going to try it. And then I did, and I'm really happy I did. So it's good to, you know, sometimes like getting into a series, you just want some kind of entry point where there's like almost no opinion that you know of around it. So it's mm-hmm. like I've heard so much about five and I've heard so much about four, but I never heard anything about three. And now I'm in it and now I want to play four and five. So either way, I'm glad that I did it. And then um, I see what you're playing and I want I want to uh, hear about that, too, because you're you're on the flip side of it a little bit, at least. Yeah, I'm playing Persona 4 Golden. And I mean, I'm having a great time. I've tried it before on my Vita and I just like. It's a, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the Vita. I tried playing Persona 4 Golden last year. So, and it's just like, you know, playing on the Vita, it's like, I'm not that big of a handhelds guy. If I'm at my home, I'd rather play on my console. So, then I heard about this port. So, then I kind of was like, let me just play it on the console, the big TV. It looks a little bit nicer, better graphics. It runs a little bit better. And I am enjoying it. I'm now getting to the part where I've played everything that I've played in the Vita version. So now I'm like actually more interested to keep on diving into it, getting into my first dungeon and all that stuff. So, you know, it's just great. Persona. If you know what Persona is, um, it's great. And if you don't, it's just it's like this weird half like life simulation game and then half like turn based RPG and RPG and turn based RPG mechanics are fantastic. But what makes persona so different is that life sim aspect, going to school, creating your social links and all that stuff. And that really just kind of sets it apart from other JRPGs. And And there's a, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say to add on to what you're saying, there's a nice, from what I'm noticing, there's a nice synergy between what you do outside of the turn based action that impacts the strength of your character. So when you're not just ranking up and getting XP, you're building your social bonds and those can give you benefits to how strong your personas are. And there's like everything feeds into each other in a really, in a really almost like addictive way. Like you kind of don't ever want to stop playing it because you're constantly getting rewards or there's constantly new stuff to like chase and do. And it's, it's really, it is really, really cool. I'm really excited to be at, it's kind of, it's similar to how I felt when I like kind of first played Yakuza and I was like, holy shit, there's mm-hmm. so much of this now for me to enjoy. So it, it is really good. I'm really happy yeah. I'm into it now. And it's a great, it's a great comparison to Yakuza because both are also like fucking long ass games or both series have very long games. So, I mean, yeah, Persona is great. I'm excited to get through Persona 4 Golden, dip into Persona 3 possibly, or even finally get Persona 5, uh, what is it called? Royal, right? Five Royal. Yeah, it's it's Royal. But I, I mean, I understand the the confusion because it's we have four uh, five, and then we had five Royal, but then they made the PS five skew, and of course we want to play the PS five version, but there's no upgrade, so it have to be full price. Full price being sixty, but still that's full price. So yeah, that it's a Persona five Royal. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I'll definitely try to scoop that up on the sale. It's going to go on sale. It was on sale recently. I just didn't pull the trigger because I was like, I want to play four or three probably before I get into that again. Um, but yeah, that, that's an, that's it for Persona. Uh, the more I get into it, the more I probably would like to talk more about the story aspects of it. But it's, it's a pretty good game. They're also like, 
they're hard games to spoil because you can talk about the game for like the first 20 hours and then like there's still like the whole back like the most of these games are like 60 to 80 hours so it's like not really much you can i mean you can spoil obviously the ending and the twist within all of them but you can talk about them like a decent amount in the early game about like the setups and the plots so um definitely we'll get more into that and then the other game i've been playing is cult of the lamb i've been trying to get this platinum i've told you guys about this game about what like two weeks ago and how i'm in love with it and it's been like my crack addiction game like mark with fallout 76 and i am very close to the platinum uh i was actually on the phone with mark right before we were recording this and we and i was trying to finish up uh one of these trophies so you have to beat all four bosses without getting hit and that is annoying as shit but they there are mechanics within the game that help you um like achieve this there's this thing called the golden fleece and the fleeces are like the little like uh, ponchos that your cult, that the lamb you play as wears, and you unlock those throughout the game by doing side missions and stuff like that. But the golden fleece is the most valuable in terms of achieving this achieve uh, trophy because uh, it doubles. Not the, it doesn't double, but it like adds a multiplier to your damage. And with when as long as you're not getting hit and you kill enemies, you keep on adding to this multiplier and make your damage super high. So the goal is to just, you know, do a clean run, get a shit ton on their multiplier, and then you can just, like, you know, kill the final boss in, like, you know, five hits or something like that. Now, the problem is that this game has a lot of fucking projectiles, and it's also a roguelike, so you don't get to pick exactly which weapon you like, and you kind of have to hope you get the right tarot cards that work in your favor, like increasing your movement or increasing your attack rate or increasing your overall damage, so... It's kind of a little bit of luck in there, but I did recently find out that there is a difficulty on this game, and I not, did not know that. So I bumped it down to easy, and that's been helping me out with completing this tro- uh, these last few trophies. But I probably should be platinuming this by the time we record next. It should be number 68 for me. Yeah, go ahead and set that goal for yourself. I think you can do it. And then the other thing that we're not playing yet, but being as we're big PlayStation Stars fans, we're both going to be playing... Elden Ring to try to at least get that campaign that they started up, which is to have the trophy at least for defeating Godric the Grafted. Yeah, that's yeah. We were talking about that. We're kind of fifty fifty on the the game choice. I do like the idea, but I just wish it was a game that I actually liked. I don't mind it being a hard game, but I wish it was a game that I felt comfortable like challenging myself at. Like it would be cool if it was like Gran Turismo. You have to get like all the first license like uh, gold or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. But obviously it's going to be a game that I'm not too comfortable with, with being Elden Ring. Uh, I mean, I want to do this, but it's very hard. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it'll, it'll be a good test. I'm just pulling it up now because the thing with it is I agree. We were talking about how we enjoy the campaigns just in general, because they're fun to make you kind of download and play games that maybe you hadn't, been interested in at the moment or just weren't really thinking about and it it really is the reason why i went back and i platinumed until dawn and detroit earlier well i guess last year now because it's the beginning of the year but this elden ring one is part uh, so it's the jan if you're collectible for winning it is the january balloon for the hard game club 2023 so i'm assuming we're gonna you know have one a month uh, my guess for what hard games would be on it you made a solid prediction i think returnal could definitely show up I could yeah. see Sifu on it. I could see a number of other Souls games. I mean, those would not surprise me either. Bloodborne? Yeah, exactly. Any Anything that falls in that umbrella, I could see. Maybe even other Souls likes that are not necessarily from, from Soft. It could be 
any of those other ones, maybe Mortal Shell or something else. But um, I'm I'm interested to see what it is. Yeah, because these are this is like early-ish or early enough, right? I mean, Godric is like the first optional boss at the end of Stormvale Castle, but I wonder how crazy they're going to try to be later on with, with these trophies. They want to get your foot in the door, but I, I, yeah, I'm just curious what what kind of difficulty we're going to see. And if there are now going to be campaigns that we're like, shit, we missed it because we couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a high chance of me missing this just because also there's so many games that I want to play that I don't know if I want to spend my time beating my head against a game that I'm not that enthusiastic about, but we'll see. Um, we'll definitely see. I, I do like the, it seems like they're building on PlayStation Stars with the hard game thing per month because you said this one's January. So I'm excited to see how they keep on uh, what games they add on for the rest of the month. But yeah, I think, I mean, the Sifu, Souls games, those are definitely spot on. I, I can definitely see Sifu because I do know that's a difficult game. But yeah, I think I'm I'm excited for that overall, just like PlayStation Stars. And then it's exciting too that it's the end of the month that we're going to get, you know, every month we're going to get our roundup of what's going to be on Plus and we're going to get all our new campaigns. So I'm excited. Probably I would assume next week is when we're either going to get leaks or confirmations for what's coming up. So that's always exciting too. But that's all I've been playing and probably will be playing is going to be Persona 3 and Elden Ring. And then obviously if it happens or either of us pull the trigger the dead space remake came out and is fantastic according to reviews. Yeah. I'm very, I'm actually like really excited about that. I do want to play that. I want to play that really, really bad just cause the reviews are like really good about it. I heard about this alternate ending. So it kind of seems, it seems like they did a very good job with it. I don't see really many complaints. Obviously there's the Callisto protocols, uh, comparisons that are already coming out and how this game is so much better than Callisto, but, I, I mean, I've seen a little bit of the trailers. I've watched a few reviews and seen the gameplay. It, it does definitely feel like they kind of nailed it on the remake front. I don't think the additions that they added to the game are really taking much away from it. And it just kind of seems like an overall enhanced experience, which is all we want from these remakes. Yeah, I agree. I, I watched a couple of reviews for it. So I know, just because I was like, you know, it is something that I've played a number of times. So anything they add would be cool to see, but I don't feel like anything's really going to be spoiled for me. So I watched a decent amount of reviews and yeah, they all looked stellar. I mean, the game just looks really good. It looks like it plays really good. Like you were saying, the additions they made seem smart and well thought out as to not take away the essence of what it was, but just to kind of add to it. I didn't know about an alternative ending, but that sounds cool. And of course, there'll be like some little extra story bits to get into. And then kind of people floating around, I saw in comments kind of being like, well, if this is good, you know, maybe we get dead space too and then maybe we just act like three didn't exist and continue it from there that would be cool just as like a as a theory and then as a side note of course forespoken came out as getting kind of ass reviews but we called that i mean we played the demo so we knew that was coming yeah i i just pulled it up right now so dead space is sitting at an 89 metacritic forespoken is sitting and what's the user score? there's no user score yet because it just released today uh, but Forspoken sitting at a 66 Metacritic and a 3.5 user score. Now, there is like some controversy regarding was the game getting hated on because of the protagonist and her race and stuff like that. But I don't really I mean, I could definitely see that being a part for the user score being so dramatically low. And there's obviously definitely grounds. There's just ignorant people in that sense. But the game itself outside of that, I think it's very clearly subjectively a boring 
open world game that really promised a lot and they kind of fa- failed on all aspects. I've even seen things where it's not even running that smooth. So it just kind of seems like a boring game. And that's what the demo kind of displayed to me. It was really shocking that they sh- play, like released a demo because it was like, you kind of just you revealed that the game is not good. Like my hope for this was like, all right, the story definitely didn't seem like interesting at all. It seemed very like Disney Marvel kind of like dialogue. But then I was like, well, maybe the gameplay will be just fun enough and that can carry the game on. There's plenty of games like that that don't have the best story, but the gameplay is so good that it keeps you engaged with the game. But this just seems like a boring open world with not much to do. Yeah, and the gameplay wasn't even that... I mean, it really wasn't that fun. It was. I, I didn't think about it when I was playing it, but I heard a good comparison that it was kind of just like infamous, like Second Son a little bit, but like much worse. And I didn't Let's think say, about no, that. We're not going to disrespect Infamous. Well, no, no, no. But think about it. So, like, I, I, I didn't think, like, I didn't consider that. But when you think about the way you kind of hold Sprint and you're running and it's just all the, her, like, magic and abilities coming off of her body, it is almost kind of like Second Son. But obviously, of course, this is much worse, which, oddly enough, I even feel like this game looks worse. And that's kind of sad considering this is, like, a brand new game. But very boring. Agreed. The character... I mean, there are going to be people out there that are going to take it to the extremes, and that's unfortunate. Although, regardless of any details of the character itself, I've only kind of heard that the dialogue is very annoying and gets to like a grading point where even it's not even like the content of what they're saying is bad. It's just like they kind of don't stop talking, but there's nothing to it. They're trying to do like it looks like a God of War thing with the the wrist talking to you like uh, Mamir does constantly like informing you, but the writing is obviously not there to match it, which is shocking because the whole the biggest thing that was um, like promoted about the game was the writing team with Gary Red- Gary Weta who wrote Rogue One and obviously Amy Heading who's very famous for the uh, first three Uncharted games, so but first one and three not two. I've said it once and I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it. Every fucking time they try to sell a game on name basis, it doesn't matter. This is like this is gonna it's been happening a lot and I feel like this like you're you're like betting on these names that don't really mean anything anymore. You're like washing up some shit from way long ago. You're not selling it yeah. as brought to you by the team who made Final Fantasy 15 cuz that was also a boring empty open world. You're just like mentioning somebody who is attached to a great game, but it wasn't even necessarily just because of them. It was the team that made it. Yeah, and also uh, Amy Heading was kind of brought in last minute too, so I really don't even know. That was mainly, I feel like, for marketing more than anything else because she wasn't there from like the inception of the project. But uh, before I forget, I want to circle back to our Persona t- uh, topic. So there's been a recent like kind of controversy going on I don't know if you know about this, but the game is obviously available on Xbox. I know you know that. But there's a next-gen version of the game on Xbox that runs at 4K, 120 frames. And there's only a PlayStation 4 app for the game on PlayStation side. And it only runs at uh, 180p and 60. So I just wanted you mean to 1080p, put that right? Yeah. 1080p, my bad. I'm tripping. It's late night, all right? It's, uh, t- so 1080 yeah, right. 60. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just, just throwing it back at you. No, that's good. Yeah, because I mean, the audience is going to get me. So it's 1080p 60. But on Xbox, there's a Series X and S version of the game that runs at 4K 120. 
I feel I find that very weird just because the heritage of Persona being tied to PlayStation and us getting basically inferior versions of the games. I don't think it hinders it the experience that much just because they're so much they're so old, so it's not that noticeable, but a weird weird thing that I just wanted to point out. That is, I mean it's cool to know. I didn't know that. Yep. So now I can I, be disappointed I when I launch it. Thanks to you. No, it's not that. I'm just saying. I just wanted to let all the information out there for the audience. If you if you have an Xbox, I, I would say, and if you're an agnostic gamer who does not care about trophies, I would say play it on Xbox just because it's a better experience. Yeah, that's but true. That's good. If you're listening to Go for Bronze, you're probably repping the home team anyway, and it's not that big of a deal because it's a 15 year old game. So. I mean, Persona Three Portable doesn't even have cutscenes, so exactly. You know, we didn't need to see in 4K. Yeah, that that's true, but still uh, interesting to know. Yep, just a little factoid. But um, that's all I have on the what we're playing and what's been coming out. Do you have anything you want to add, Mark, about Forspoken or Dead Space? Negative. I'm interested. I mean, I'm interested in playing Dead Space. I don't care at all about Forspoken. Probably wouldn't play it even if it was free. But again, that's obvious. Solely just because I played the demo, and I think that the gameplay is really bad and even the menus like there's a there's a lot of things objectively that are just not very good and obviously the review scores are going to show that but no i don't have that much uh else to say interested to get into the news proper all right so let's let's dive into the news the first uh story will be a quickie but it's very interesting just because of the upcoming playstation vr launch uh sony did confirm a boatload of games so now we have over 30 games that will be releasing within the launch window. And what Sony defines as the launch window is the end of March. And there's a lot of interesting stuff. Obviously, some freebies that are, um, if you own the games already on the current console, you get the VR version of them, like Gran Turismo 7 and um, Resident Evil. But then, obviously, you know we have our highlights like Horizon Call of the Mountain, um, the Dark Picture Switchback game, which was a launch title initially, did get pushed back, but it's still within that launch window. Um, and I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's uh, coming out. But uh, is there anything really caught your mind? And also, what's your like uh, gut check on VR two? Yeah, so I, it's pretty. I heard there's also a lot of availability still. It doesn't seem like the pre-orders are selling out. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I actually didn't mention it, but I guess this is the best time. To, to do it is that I was hanging out with a group of people. I don't remember when, maybe it was, I think it might've been last weekend, but there was a PSVR there, a PSVR one, and we were playing super hot. And so we were playing super hot in PSVR. And the one kind of takeaway, first of all, I love super hot. I played the regular version and it was really fun in VR, but the PSVR one headset gets hot, really hot. Like I was sweating after like maybe 20 or 30 minutes, not because of like movement. It was just like really hot in there and it was getting like foggy. So I'm interested to, you know, put on like the new headset and see how that is. And hopefully it's more comfortable. But just playing the game, like even super hot was so much fun. And I, I, I am excited for it. I think that I think the PSVR 2 is definitely something I'm going to get at some point. I think like by the end of the year, I'll have one without question. Um, cause I don't have, I've never had a VR headset. I mean, they're doing a second one now, which, you know, means that they believe in it at least, but they believe in it enough to have all of these games supported right off this list here. I would obviously play Grand Turismo 7, especially with the wheel. I feel like that would be a really nice level of immersion. Resident Evil Village. I'm very interested in, 
um, the Moss games, Moss 1 and 2. And then, of course, there's going to be a lot of games here that are only on VR, and I would only experience that way. So gut check is that I'm excited. I'll probably get one by the end of the year, one way or another. And then I had a good experience with the first one, but I'm now now it was nice to kind of get a refresher on what the first one felt like to see how improved this next one is. Where did you play the first one again? Um, it was at uh, I was at JP's. Oh, he has shout one? out to JP. Yeah, he has one. Actually, his oh, his shit. girlfriend has one. I did not know that. That's cool. But um, but yeah, I mean that's cool. Especially you're gonna see it right now. You're playing it right now as before the launch of the second headset. So you definitely see the improvements there. Um, for me, uh, I don't know. I'm still kind of like fifty fifty. It's five hundred and fifty dollars, so it's definitely not a cheap. It's not a purchase that you just make on a whim, but. Also, for me, I need like a killer app. I need a reason to play. I, it's just like I'm just an old man, and I feel like adding another like layer of something to put on my head. Like, also, I, I'm just thinking I'm tired as fuck. I came home from, you know, like working all day. The last thing I want to do is just put on a headset and start moving around. Like, I do like just sitting with a controller, like a passive experience. So, the VR is definitely, I feel like it's you have to be in a mindset to play it. It's like an engaging experience. It's a more participatory experience than I think regular game playing is. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, busting out the racing wheel or busting out the rock band stuff is is my my thought process. I'm like, yeah, that's not what you're going to do to relax. But it's a cool experience to have. And, you know, it's probably fun when, yeah, when people come over, right, and you show them and and stuff like that but i definitely interested in in having a vr headset for the first time yeah i'm also prone to motion sickness so that's another thing i don't want to spend 550 dollars and get fucked so am i but i feel like i don't know anytime i put on a vr headset i've never felt sick although i've never played a racing game like i know there are certain things that are worse for it but like going on rides where motion sickness can be an issue normally is a problem for me. But VR headsets hasn't been too much of an issue. It's normally because you're, for me, the fact that you're controlling it. The thing that I always get motion sickness with is like rides where you're sitting still and, you know, fucking Harry Potter is going 900 miles an hour <laughs> on a broom on the screen. But if you look down, you're sitting still and then you're, my body gets all confused. So... I, with VR headsets, the fact that you're able to at least control them to a certain degree, like your body is not as confused, I don't think. Yeah, I hope that's the case. But yeah, definitely would need to like I would need to sample one before I actually play it because yeah, I don't want to. I don't know what like the return policy is. Like, is it like oh, if you buy a VR headset and you have motion sickness, or they're like, well, you just got fucked out of five hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. But either way, one of us will get it, and then we can try it. I'm sure that'll be how it'll how it'll go. That's true. And then, um, so, so how did you want to handle the Last of Us news? Did you want to talk about that at the end again still and then continue the rest? Because there's a lot in that Last of Us news, and obviously we would have to engage in a slight spoiler talk for the TV show, but not too much, honestly. There's enough here that's more surface level than anything that, re- that regards the show's content. So how would you want to go? I guess we could do it. We could push it to the back just because I think it'll be the beefiest conversation anyway. Okay, perfect. So let's just move on to our next topic. 
uh, is uh, Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 Season 2 detail <laughs> revealed as launch is delayed. I know I said 2. I was like, wow, there's a lot of 2s in that sentence. In the second week of the second month? In the, Releasing in the second week of the second month. 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. So, previously expected to launch at the start of February, the new season for Modern Warfare Warzone 2 is uh, going to be starting on February 15th. Uh, the Call of Duty team has tweeted out, our studio has been making several changes based on what we've heard from our player community. Season 2 includes all new content with the return of Resurgence and a brand new small map for Warzone 2.0. Ranked play is also back and coming to Modern Warfare 2 along with new multiplayer maps, new modes, weapons, and much more. Developer Infinity Ward also added, we're looking forward to sharing more details on the upcoming on the uh, oh, yeah. we're looking forward to sharing more updates coming to season two in a deep dive studio blog next week this includes exciting changes to warzone 2.0 including the gulag looting and loadouts um season two will reportedly feature the multiplayer map castle which was originally included in call of duty world at war and was also remastered for last year's call of duty vanguard and um they also tweeted out as a teaser this week no HUD, no problem. Hardcore is back following season two's multiplayer updates in our studio blog later this week. And um, what that blog did outline for us is some pretty significant Warzone 2 changes, which I know we had a lot of uh, back and forth within our Warzone chat, but they're basically making Warzone 2 similar to the original Warzone. Um, 1v1 Gulag is back. There's no longer the 2v2s, and it's the same kind of style with the domination flag. In the middle, you have to cap it so that way you can win. There's no more jailer. Um, you start now with three plates, uh, three plate vests. There's no longer you have to just start with two plates and have to find the vest to put three in. Everybody has um, three plates. And there's also no more medium or large backpacks, which is definitely kind of annoying because I did enjoy having that feature. And then another big change is uh, the movement while regarding plating. Uh, you're no longer going to be as slow. You're going to be able to burst through doors and also customizable perk patch packages. Cause at the moment they're uh, pre-selected perks. There's, you can't actually customize which perks you want. So they're adding that to the game. Um, and also loot will no longer be in the backpack style. That was in the beginning of Warzone two. It's going to go to the old Warzone zone, uh, style where it's just kind of explodes out of the enemy and it's just all over so for everybody to see and i believe that is all the updates so if there's anything i missed mark will definitely check me just no no yeah just the the little extra kind of details in, into what you're saying so with the customizable perk packages it's worth noting that they said it will be from a reduced pool of perks it won't be every perk from like modern warfare 2 as you know it Ooh. because they're, they said that it, you'll start with a certain list of perks and see how the community kind of handles that, but they don't want to give all perks and end up having a meta that would be annoying or unbalanced because, of course, people are going to find the perk customizable package that works best. And then not only are you going to have everyone running around with a Fennec and an RPK, you're going to have them also running around with these same perks. And on top of the loadouts now having two events, they also said that loadouts will be cheaper and weapons will be cheaper and the economy is increased. So you'll find money more easily. So now, for example, if you open a register, instead of the lowest denomination being $100, now it's $800. Or when you're in the gulag, for example, and you're running around and there's ground loot, 
now you can maybe pick up money while you're in the gulag. So that's supposed to incentivize you to maybe run around instead of camping back so you can get some cash in the lag before you leave. And another Warzone 1 change that they're adding to this is when you leave the gulag, you're going to keep the weapons that you're fighting with and it'll be more you know, SMGs, ARs. They said they're not going to do too many like pistols and shotguns like we've been experiencing with the gulag as we've had it. And then they said there were some audio occlusion updates, which we don't know too much about at the moment. But that's just everything I kind of wanted to give a little bit more detail as to as to the changes, just seeing like the blog post in full. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. I was like, I forgot something in the uh, the price, the economy changing and also well, the price a, of uh, weapons going down. It is a lot of changing, a, but it's a lot of changing it to what it was. It's a lot of changing. Yeah, it's a lot of reverses. But then it's also the way that Infinity Ward has been like sending out these posts. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of they've been posting them out in like small separate tweets and blog posts and not with the season two roadmap. Like it's not a very clear way of doing it. I feel like do a big season two roadmap like you usually do and then Mm -hmm. talk about these changes. But I feel like I feel like they probably don't want to have these included in that because then you'd be drawing a lot of eyes to the fact that they're like, we're also just reverting all the shit that we did. And then now here's also season two. But some of these changes, like we were saying earlier, and we kind of talked about it a lot off microphone. So let's make sure we get some of that on here for you guys is that, you know, the... The 1v1 jailer, of course, or getting the jailer out and being 1v1 is, of course, a great change. But there are a number of changes here that I'm okay with some of the changes they made in the sense that it makes it feel like a defined and separate experience. And I'm I'm a little worried that they're going to go back too much. And then that because I can see that being boring to people, too. If you go too far back and then you're like, okay, well, now this is the game I've been playing for years already. What's even the difference? I think, I think they're mistaking the drop in player count because uh, I don't know. If we, did we report on that? The player we count did. dropped by We did, by, yeah. By large, large player count. Yeah. Large player count so, drop uh, since November. So I think they're mistaking that player drop for it being about the fact that, oh, they miss how the original Warzone was. And I do think that they're kind of missing the forest for the trees. So what makes these battle Royale games kind of interesting and engaging is what we see with Fortnite. The map is changing. New events are happening on the map, uh, side little Easter eggs. So while you're exploring, you have other side objectives to doing to, to do. And then also the map itself, um, Al Mazara, I do like it, but if I'm going to, if it's, if I'm going to compare it, to uh, Verdansk or Caldera, I think it leans more towards Caldera than it does Verdansk, which I think is an issue because there's a lot of open spaces and there's a lot of final circles where there's not a single building and it's whoever has an ATV and whoever has a uh, the high ground, which is the high ground is fine. I feel like that's, that's standard, but there's a lot of like a uh, bush hiding and final circles and it's not, it's, it's just, it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't, I don't like the current, uh, I don't like currently where Warzone 2 is. It's just not really in a good state. It's like you said, they're reversing a lot of the changes. So it's becoming a less defined thing, kind of more of an addition to the Warzone family as opposed to being separate from uh, Verdansk and Condetta. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that what you're saying is spot on again, like is you, you need more points of interest on the map. I think that's, those are the kind of updates that you should be adding. Now, uh, the changes, some of them, again, like I said, I understand, but I think 
that there's a lot of people that are very vocal about it and they're just always going to spout negative shit because that's normally the kind of people that are going to be posting about games and stuff like that online anyway. So they're seeing that and they're like, oh, we're messing up. We need to go back. But you, yeah, you just need to support it. I mean, we've had two months and it's not like you've really added anything to Warzone per se. You've taken out heavy choppers because they were a problem. You took out bomb drones because they caused issues. You took out recon drones because they froze players. And then we went through the whole you know, experience of, yeah, perks didn't work if you bought the game and loot dropping through the ground and all of these bugs and stuff that you kind of had to clean up and fix. And so from one aspect, yeah, I can maybe understand like, oh, well, we need to get this game in working proper order before we add more stuff to it. But at the same time, you have so many teams and you know that this is coming. This is not a surprise that you're launching this. You had the longest development cycle so this shouldn't really be happening. Vanguard, it was like everything was kind of collapsing on Sledgehammer and it didn't really work out for them. And I know that they diverted resources midway through development to be like, okay, well, we're going to focus on this new era where we're all operating on this new engine. And so mm-hmm. it just doesn't really seem like there's a lot of excuses for us to kind of have a drought of content for two months since Warzone launched. And yeah, I mean, I think that they fast... They, In my opinion, they probably fast-tracked Resurgence because they know a lot of people play Resurgence. But it, it's weird because I also... I hear a lot of people complain that multiplayer doesn't get support. And I'm starting to feel like... You know, I think that is true, but I also am feeling that way a little bit about Warzone at the same time. Where it's like, even when you look at the multiplayer side of MW2, we know that Museum never made it into the game because of copyright issues. And then there were problems with Crown uh, Raceway and... There's no ranked mode and there's no hardcore mode. And so it's one of those things where like you're going to support the game for two years, right? But that you supporting the game for two years can't be you releasing a 40% complete product and then being like, well, by the end of the second year, you'll have what we've been delivering every previous Mm -hmm. year. So that is definitely like how I feel. And that is something that is annoying. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like, yeah, but I feel both sides are not being supported well. Multiplayer is getting old stuff. Shipment 24-7, uh, Shoot House, and now this castle map was... Uh, it's a World, War, World at War map, but it was already remade for Vanguard, the last game. So they're just basically... Not not to downplay development, but in in the eyes of the general public, they're just basically copying and pasting that from from that game to this game. Yeah, no, fuck that. I don't care about how they feel if they're listening to this. Because it's, it's also... You know, we're not saying that the development time is is not strenuous and that they're not stressed out. You know, that's fine. But it's in such an obvious and blatant way that I don't really even understand it. Why the fuck are you putting a, a like World at War map in a Modern Warfare game? That doesn't even really make sense. I know that they're not like defined separate universes, but like they low-key are, you know what I mean? Like I don't expect to see like a Nocturne on Toad multiplayer map in Modern Warfare. That's fucking weird. That's to, to That's me true. that screams just like you have, yeah. And again, shoot house and shipment, and then the operator is you know rumored to be Ronan, which was an operator already as a guest character <laughs> in in Modern Warfare 2019. So they're really just releasing the same shit over and over again. And then the, another thing that I definitely want to say is, you know, I, I consider myself and everyone in like our kind of war squad as pretty hardcore into Call of Duty, and the fact that you can't play raids. The like the way that raids are locked off is so fucking stupid and to me makes me feel like it's just like they're wasting so much time developing in that 
well, there's no way that there's a lot of people playing it. There's like no I mean, way. Yeah, no. So yeah, why are you the... spending your resources on that? Yeah, I don't know. Call of Duty's in a weird spot right now. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. I think it's each of its three components, what it's trying to do, the the raid, the new raid aspect, the multiplayer aspect in Warzone. A full game is two of those, and they're trying to do all three, and they're not equally supporting all three. The raids, I mean, I don't I don't even know if the raids are good or not. That's how little people are playing it. Like I have no idea if it's good or not. Because I don't hear anybody playing it. Because nobody has a, not that nobody has a full three man squad, but if you play Warzone, you probably got a quad squad. If all four of your boys on, are you going to want to just kick somebody out to do the raids? No. Has everybody also played the spec op missions to make sure they're leveled up with their proper level kit to complete the raid? No, because the spec op missions were ass. We tried playing them, they're not that good. So it's kind of got, they got, they have their hands in too many pots. I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 in the beginning was very, uh, exciting because there's so much content, but I kind of wish they would just focus in and maybe cut some stuff. Maybe we didn't need spec op missions, and you could have found a, a different way to have it leveled up for the raid. Like if you played Warzone, you're like you know that transitioned into some thing. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a developer, but I'm. There could have been a lot more uh, better ways to implement the raid. I agree. It, it just feels odd. It feels like. <laughs> There's not enough clarity and communication as to what kind of content is coming. I understand that they do a season roadmap, but now every time they do that, I feel like they always try to use the tagline of like, this is the most content in any season we've ever done. But if you're just trying to do it by quantity and saying like, this is the most amount of items, you know, I don't really give a fuck if you're going to do like a couple of limited time modes and you've got this many multiplayer maps, but they're all old maps that have been in every single version of the game. And, you know, we've got a raid and spec ops and all this stuff, but it's all just cut portions from the Warzone map. And so you're giving like a lot of per se content, like with, with quotations around it, but it's really not anything new or fresh. And then it feels like they're just trying to make sure they have like a massive offering, but it's not a massive offering. You're just like adding tired stuff to the game and so i think it really it it's really impressive to me how how much life has been drained out of the game already to me where it's like i i just don't really understand like you have such a good opportunity to revive it and you're i I don't know i just don't understand it like you're saying it just feels like over bloated but nothing specifically is like that good at the moment yeah, and like I have been saying this whole time since the launch of this game, this has definitely been one of the buggiest Call of Duty launches, and it's the one that had the most time recently, like, uh, you know, devoted to it in its development cycle. So, I mean, we're, I mean, Modern Warfare 2, they already have our money, so it's not that's not the issue, but um, it's just kind of in a bad place. Uh, season two would need to have like a really big. I mean, we're gonna keep on playing it because that's the game that you're. You know, every game, every squad has a game they play. Whether you're two K squad, uh, Fortnite squad, Warzone squad, uh, you know, you have your game that you're playing no matter what. You're gonna bitch and moan about it, Destiny. You know, Destiny boys out there. But um, I, I, I don't know. Warzone two is definitely not enticing. It's not pulling me. Like when we don't play it, I don't feel like the call to go to it because I'm like, oh well, I don't really. Feel like i'm missing out i didn't even purchase the first battle pass and i thought i would but there's like there's nothing 
hey, there's nothing interesting in the battle pass. And there's like, there's nothing. I don't feel like I'm going to be playing this by myself to even get through this. Yeah, that's another thing, too, is that I know it's early in the game, but with the blueprints, the I don't know. Yeah, like do some have some interesting ways to get blueprints maybe in Warzone. I understand that you have now this separate DMZ. But again, that's like where it feels too bloated, where they did DMZ and they added building. I think it was building 21. You, uh, I can be corrected, of course, if that's not the name. But I think they added like a limited time area. Well, why don't you add that to Warzone? Like if you have it there and it, you know, kind of Lego snaps into Almazra, just go ahead and put it in a Warzone. Yeah, I just don't really understand the decisions that are that are being made. And you're definitely right. It's very buggy. They're just kind of fixing it. And I think overall, a theme I'm kind of getting here just with games as a whole, some, not all. I'm not trying to be like too negative, but I don't like the we gotta make everything live service and multiplayer, and we gotta do like quantity over quality. Cause it's just it's not like you can produce something massive, but if it's not memorable, who cares? People will always prefer a smaller but memorable experience versus like an extremely large, bloated but bland one. This week entice like encapsulates that. Forspoken, oh, big, bloated, probably tons of content, but Dead Space, single player, more focused content is being well received. Is it? I think. The only way that like the games industry is going to understand is like when you vote for, with your wallet and just don't purchase these kind of games. And obviously, Call of Duty already got us by the ball, so we're fucked there. Yeah, but if their player count is dropping, they're a little bit fucked because they're they're really their big source of revenue is all the bundles and Battle Pass. And if people aren't playing it, like they have a problem. Yeah, and hopefully that lights a fire for them to like actually add some interesting changes and support it properly. Like, I, like Fortnite is the model. Do what Fortnite's doing. Like, it's very simple. Obviously, you're not going to be able to get that same level of, uh, um, like, uh, collabs with, like, I mean, Fortnite literally has a collab with every single brand. If there's something you like, you can play that character in Fortnite. You can play as Isaac from Dead Space in Fortnite this week. So it's a different level, but I would like Call of Duty to get to that level. Like, why can't I have a stupid, like, it'd be cool to have a stupid, like, Isaac skin to play in Fortnite or in Warzone. Yeah, it's a, and again, it's the kind of thing too where it feels when they oh sorry I burped into straight into the <laughs> mic, but the you know you have the kind of build up of guns getting crazier and operators getting crazy in Warzone One, and then you have a clean cut which I was okay with moving into Almazra and making it a little bit more serious and TTK is faster and it, it feels a little bit more tactical and you have to be more thoughtful about when you choose to reload and when you heal. But that's the thing that I don't really like now is that I, 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 while there are things that are frustrating, I liked a lot of the changes in the sense that they made it feel fresh and unique. But now we're going to go back to a lot of the way Warzone 1 felt, but we're not keeping those quality of life changes that happened over the course of three years. We're not keeping all the wacky operators, the wacky blueprints, which some people aren't a fan of. But here's my thing. If you're not a fan of that wacky stuff, then you shouldn't be wanting to fucking dolphin dive 360 and heal at the same time. You have to do it one way or the other. So yeah. that's just that's really how I feel. If you're like, I don't like the wacky shit, okay. Well then you shouldn't be out in the gas fucking stimming infinitely, doing all this kind of bullshit cancel Z slide, whatever, right? So it's it's <laughs> uh anyway, they're obviously bending over backwards because they think that's what the community needs. So they're gonna do that first and then 
if it kind of follows the trends of any other Call of Duty they've had, the further we get into it, the crazier shit is going to be, which which is good. But they need to they need to do something about the POIs on the map. There's too many open desert spaces where I'm okay in certain situations with a final circle being like maybe in the water or something interesting and different. But there's a lot of time like if we're up by if we're up by like Rohan Oil, that whole top left side of the map is just like too much desert. Like it's just too empty. Yeah, like it seems yeah. like you have plans for something there, but it would be much better if they thought about it the way kind of Verdansk one was where it's like, we have these areas and we're going to swap them out. Like, Oh, we have the stadium and now it's open. But I think it's better to have something and then swap it versus to just have a bunch of plain area where it's like, okay, there'll probably be something there at some point, but for now it's just empty. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, we, I mean you, you're spot on. You can tell we're passionate. I mean, I know that we're talking about this a lot, but it, it's obviously something we play a lot and we want it to be good. And it's not, it, it, it also makes it, um, I wouldn't say it makes it worse, but it's just, there's a little bit more, you know, I feel more invested in it knowing that they've already told me, hey, for the next two years, without question, this is what you're going to be playing. So it's like, okay, well, let's get this shit sorted out now. Because if you're going to have me on this dry string for two years, by the end of that shit, you're going to kill me to the point where I'm probably going to hop to something else. And I, you know what? I mean, I think, I mean, obviously they can't release it now, but like the state of Call of Duty is Warzone. Like if like factions came out now, I think that that, I would like be like, oh, I'm just going to play factions now. Like, I think we all would. I think everyone in our squad likes would would prefer to play that. Because it's just like, I I mean, I feel like I'm a, I'm a free agent, I feel like, right now with my Battle Royale, my multiplayer game. If there's a game that we can get everybody on and play and it's that would be more fun and enjoyable, I would definitely be down for that. I mean, I love Warzone. I feel like it's always going to be a mainstay, but I feel like it, it can easily not become the default option and become an option. Yeah, and I would just like to add that I don't have the total hour count uh, like on me or in front of me at the moment but it's shocking to me how long i've been max rank and haven't gotten really anything new as we've been playing i don't know if you noticed that but like as soon as i was done with the battle pass like so many hours played and like nothing new for me to like play with yeah i mean it's just it's just kind of an issue but um but i think i don't, I think I don't know if there's anything else to say there yeah i think we've, we've beaten this topic to a to a pulp but let's get into another possible multiplayer game coming out so um far cry 7 and a standalone far cry multiplayer game are reportedly in the works according to reports from kotaku and inside gaming with the former claiming that ubisoft ceo yves gelmont mentioned both games during an internal company update last week Sources also sources also told the site that Far Cry 7 is being made with Ubisoft's Snowdrop engine rather than the Dungi engine used for the recent series entries. Snowdrop powers Ubisoft Massive's The Division series as well as the studio's upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora and its open world Star Wars game. According to the inside gaming sources, uh, Ubisoft Montreal is working on both new Far Cry games which were originally planned to be part of the same package. The multiplayer game is currently an extraction-based shooter set in the Alaskan wilderness, it's claimed. Both titles are said to be tentatively scheduled for release in the fall-slash-autumn season of 2025. So, Mark, how do you feel about 
I mean, I guess the rumor of Far Cry 7 is a real thing. I, I didn't think we were going to get it. I thought Far Cry 6 was the end of it, and we are going to get the weird Ubisoft thing where they were making like the Far Cry platform and the Assassin's Creed platform, but that definitely seems to have kind of not become... It, it seems like that's not going to happen for both those series, and they're going to keep on releasing standalones. I mean, obviously, you saw me shaking my head. Actually, there's a lot of things here that I, I see as like I'm throwing flags for, to be honest. I mean... Mm-hmm number one i mean i i like the far cry you know franchise but i think the change being from dunia over to the snowdrop engine i mean that kind of just shouts to me that the multiplayer is more important than the base game anyway because far cry 6 was very well received but i don't think they care about that they probably care about a multiplayer game and what they can get out of that because snowdrop being what massive uses for a division obviously means it's an engine focused towards that so they're going to switch over to that engine, but also talking about how it was planned to be part of the same package, but now they're separate is that, yeah, I don't want to like blame it on them, but I was of course never a fan of, and you know, hopefully it is great. And so this isn't really me talking to the quality of what Last of Us Factions could be. I'm still, ex- I'm super excited for that game. I hope that it's going to be fantastic. I have full confidence in Naughty Dog and I know that it's probably expanded so much from what it originally was however i don't want it to be something that can now be seen as an option for a studio to be making something that's really one package but now they're like okay well let's just parse it out hit them with two price tags and it's the same shit and my my thing is really the engine thing seems really worrisome to me because i like the division but i do not like the way the division like shooting is compared to far cry it feels very, you know, third person weightless, kind of like a lot of other Tom Clancy games. And I don't really enjoy that. And so, yeah, I don't know. My, my, my gut check first analysis is just that all of these changes sound like they're really for the multiplayer one more than they are for the single player one, which doesn't make sense to me considering how good Far Cry 6 did and didn't have a multiplayer component. Yeah. I mean, I'm upset because Far Cry, I feel like it's getting Far Cry. I mean, it's getting, I feel like all of Ubisoft's um, IPs, whichever ones you care about are probably getting mistreated, but Far Cry is the one that I care the most about. And I feel like it's just kind of getting mistreated and tossed along. It was like one of the first IPs that kind of dragged Ubisoft out of that Assassin's Creed muck. Remember when Far Cry 3 released it was kind of a surprise because it was the first game that started a whole December trend of like, you can release good games in December. And then that was also in, in that time period where like, you know, Assassin's Creed was getting really bad with the syndicate Assassin's Creed three and um, all that stuff. So I, I wish that far cry would have maintained its own identity, but it's kind of fused into becoming like an Assassin's Creed open world game. And now being made on the division engine, I hope that it doesn't now become this weird multiplayer single player kind of thing and i mean i i i honestly can see far cry 7 becoming completely like multiplayer and like co-op like division and kind of stripping away the story and being like well we have an interesting world for you to play in and it's like well no i like far cry is supposed to tell me a story yeah you're like ha- kind of going away from that yeah you have cool set pieces I'm much more interested mm-hmm. in you having cool set pieces and characters and a story to follow and a world to discover and explore that's strategically placed rather than being like, okay, well, we'll give you a giant, you know, 
world with not a lot that we've built into it. But oh, you can have your friends in here and make your own fun. I don't want to fucking make my own fun. I didn't pay $70 to make my own fun. And then another thing I'll say is that, you know, we kind of already went through this kind of like boom of battle royale games the past couple of years, I would say, you know, anywhere like 2017 to 2020 is when I would say we had like the most, oh, we're going to have, this is a battle royale, this is a battle royale, this is it. And then now, of course, you have a lot of those come out and fail, and then you're kind of left with the select few that are successful. I feel a little bit similarly with this kind of like, okay, extraction-based shooter. We hear about a lot of extraction-based shooters in development, but I know Escape from Tarkov is like the most maybe famous or popular option, but it doesn't even feel like it's something that is as you know, popular or ubiquitous as a battle royale. Like, I don't think that extraction-based shooters are a very casually welcoming thing. I mean, to my experience, even with DMZ on Warzone, like, yeah, it's cool, but it's also kind of frustrating. And it's not something that I, me personally, it's not something I would want to play all the time. And I don't really want them to take, yeah, the, like an IP that I really like and be like, well, let's try to kind of jam it into this new thing that we might, that we think might be special. And I will say, I don't know if it is just me, but extraction-based shooters, I don't have that much experience with them, so of course, can be corrected. That's totally fine. But they seem like a game mode that is like so good for just marketing shit. Like The whole basis of it is you don't have shit when you go in, and you can lose all your shit if you don't play it correctly <laughs> or right. I mean, that's literally... Yeah. The base definition is you go in with nothing and see how much shit you can get, leave with the shit that you get. Otherwise, you die and lose everything. And that doesn't sound fun to me. Like, if it's a roguelike, I mean, that's one option. But again, roguelikes, the good ones, are like fantastic games with really well-crafted, completely single-player stuff. So, I don't know, I'm rambling a lot, but I I don't like the sound of a lot of this stuff. And I don't want to be overly negative, but I don't want a split multiplayer game i don't really want an extraction based shooters i don't think the shift from the dunya engine makes any sense i mean you just had a game that was so i don't know it doesn't it doesn't make sense because six was also like a clear step in the right direction from five not saying that five was bad but like that six was clearly one that people were surprised and impressed with so why would you change that why wouldn't you just carry that momentum forward to end it on a positive note there's one thing that I gleaned from this whole thing that was interesting. And that is the setting. Uh, since these were originally to be part of the same uh, project, both of these, uh, a Far Cry single player game in the Alaskan wilderness does sound kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That sounds interesting. We haven't, we have, I mean, we've only dealt with snow a little bit in Far Cry 4, but a completely snowed out map eh, sounds fun. Yeah, I think so. I do think that sounds cool. All, well, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this now because I'm like, well, snow sounds really cool, but Alaskan wilderness could be really fucking empty. That's true, but I feel like that's not... I don't think... Far Cry doesn't have that issue, I think, with a yeah, they, they would, I, Yeah, they would artificially make up for it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that, that was, the problem for 5 for me was that I feel like I'm constantly in, engaged with enemies at times, so... I think that they don't have that issue, but uh, the the setting, if it's in the Alaskan wilderness, that's kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, sad, sad to hear. And then uh, hopefully this uh, multiplayer game doesn't follow the same fate as this next one we're about to talk about. Um, Crystal Dynamics has officially 
announced that they are going to end support on Marvel's Avengers. So, Crystal Dynamics said that the last content update will launch on March 31st, 2023, with support then ending later this year on September 30th. The decision was made in conjunction with its partners, Crystal Dynamics said, without further clarification, adding that now was the right time to make this change. Both single and multiplayer gameplay will continue to be available. The studio clarified even after support ends. Uh, Avengers Cosmetic Marketplace will shut down, but Crystal Dynamics will make every item in it free from March 31st. Gifting the full library of Marketplace Cosmetic content is a way to thank our community by letting everyone experience the breadth and depth of content in Marvel's Avengers. The blog post said, We know this is disappointing news as everyone in our community has such a connection to these characters and their stories. We're so, so grateful that you came on this adventure with us. And then also one last little tidbit. Uh, Spider-Man will remain uh, PlayStation exclusive. So you can only play Spider-Man as Marvel and Marvel's Avengers on PlayStation. And then also, if you did have any credits, they will convert the credits into... I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the game, but they're uh, they're converting the credits into something that will help you in the game. I don't know what it is, if there's experience points or something like that, but they're converting those credits that you do have, so you will get something if you do have current or credits currently in the game. But um, uh, not shocking to see, but it is uh, shocking because of the IP being so big. But this was a very famous blunder. This game did not sell well. And Crystal Dynamics has kind of been in a weird spot ever since this game has came out. I agree. I will say I'm thoroughly impressed. I didn't know about the making everything free in the marketplace after a certain point. I mean, that is... That's something that... I don't know if other games did that. That seems like a really good idea. I mean, I understand. Of course, that means that you're inherently also killing any potential sales that you have. But I'm sure there's a certain, you know, line that the analysts and accountants see where, okay, you know, it's past this point. Nobody's really buying this shit anyway. And I don't know. That's cool. I mean, that alone kind of makes me even more interested in like, okay, like maybe I would step into it because it feels kind of nice, you know, when you're going through like anything in any game and you're just like unlocking a bunch of rewards for free. And it makes me think of like, the fact that if you go and play a Call of Duty from like five or six years ago, how the store is still active and you still have to pay for it. But like, wouldn't it be so nice to go back and be like, okay, well, let me just get all the blueprints for free because why not? I don't know. It just seems it's it's a cool move. I don't know. I, I didn't for some reason. I just didn't expect that. Yeah. And then also another little uh, dynamic in the situation. Um, I can, I'm also not too shocked to see the game ending its support because Crystal Dynamics is now technically an uh, Embracer studio. So why would Embracer be paying Crystal Dynamics to be working on a Square Enix game? Even granted, if the game was successful, obviously probably Square Enix first wouldn't let them go, but then they probably Embracer would be making a cut some way out of it. So I feel like that dynamic also adds to the reason why the support is ending. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's... um. I mean, I don't have too much to say about this, except for like, I would probably wait now until March until when at least they have the cosmetics free to try to jump in and enjoy it. But it is just a, again, I don't know. I'm okay with there being a a different and wide variety of games out there. I have no problem with multiplayer games existing and live service games existing, but 
there are certain games that would obviously live better as a single player experience. I'm sure that this is one of them. And of course I'm going to wait and I, I hope that it will be fantastic, but like all the suicide squad shit we saw of like a battle pass and cosmetics, it's super unnecessary. Yeah. Like it's only, I feel like it can only hinder, hinder a game like that. So, you know, if you're, I feel like if you're on the fence of like, should we make it single player, just add shit to it, just make it single player. If it's going to be multiplayer, it needs to be that way. I feel like from the get go, like that has to be your main mission. And I feel like that was with this game. It's just that that's not what people wanted from this game. Well, it's not and how they, they marketed it either, though. though. Yeah, they, yeah. they were cagey about it the whole time, saying that you can play the game by yourself technically. But it's like this is clearly was designed as a live service multiplayer game. So they should have market. They should have leaned more into that and made those aspects better. I do think that the closure or the ending of the support of this just kind of adds more pressure to the Suicide Squad and then topple that with Gotham Knight's poor performance. And then now the recent backlash with the screenshot being revealed. I feel like I can see Suicide Squad getting delayed because they feel like they're like, fuck, we have to react to this and like position this game in a better light. Because right now it's not looking too hot for the live service um live service superhero games because even dc universe online way back was shut down even though that, that was a live service game too so the when you have a big license tied to these live service games if it's not doing well they're easier to cut and the license and the license holders are quicker to cut them too by the way i think that dc game you're talking about i think that's still online dc universe yeah i think it is but check. but it's an mmo so it's like it is different but I think uh, that, yeah, just it, it's one of those things that for me, it's like the blend. The blend is the is the dangerous part. Like like you're saying, when they're marketing it, you know that they're being deceptive. I mean, if you know that you're being deceptive off the get go, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a problem. You're not going to be able to hide that shit when it gets released. So and there. Yeah, people just don't people don't really want certain things as multiplayer. If you if people have like a like ugh, negative reaction when they first see it, you should probably be like, all right, then let's change it a little bit. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to end up being your customers. I mean, there are, there are going to be people that are going to be negative no matter what, but you know, you release a God of war trailer. A lot of people are going to be like, holy shit, I'm hype. You release a trailer and a majority of people are like, damn, that looks like shit. You probably need to do something about that. Not just falsely market it and kind of, you know, push it out at the end. And I don't know. We'll see. I hope it changes, but I, I'm just worried that this generation is going to be a lot of that. It's and it's weird because I feel like this generation is going to be a lot of games that people are not going to be able to even go back to. That's true too. Even if yeah, even if these games are ass, like it's, it is cool. Even if there's games that are bad back in the day, it's fun to see where games came from and see how they developed and you can see where oh that was pulled from this game and then that's how this became that and then like the building of the narrative, like the overall narrative, not just narratives of single games, but the overall narrative of a game, like the building of the genre and like, and the medium and how to, how it went forward. Like all these online games eventually get canceled. We're going to lose a huge gap of gaming history. Yeah, I agree. And then we're not even going to be making up as much ground because we have so many remakes and remasters that we're going to have a lot of these games that might fail and disappear. And then the other games we do have are games we had 10 years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the industry is in a weird place right now. Um, 
it sucks to see games like close to protocol not sell just because those are the games that i would champion the smaller experiences but well, yeah but it's also have, you know come on it's not a good game it's 162 yeah, million dollars poorly spent that i do agree but i i still think that like I mean, it's better than Marvel's Avengers. It should sell whatever. It should sell more than whatever Marvel's Avengers sold. But that's a different like discussion and debate. But I mean, I prefer the more single player games, games that can be preserved, games because you know what, you can still play the Callisto Protocol in twenty years, even though it's ass. Well, of You're course, not be able to play this game. Oh, and so do I. I'm not advocating for multiplayer games. I'm just advocating for like higher quality games than Callisto. I mean, yeah, definitely. But I'm just saying, I wish. It sold well just to say that single player games sell well. Hopefully, the yeah. Dead Space remake sells well and stuff like that. I, I think to to I think honestly to your point though, even with Callisto, because I did have fun with it. I think it's just, I think the the thing that I, I both of us are kind of saying is just the people that are in upper management for these need to pay a little bit more attention. Like that's what with Callisto. Yeah, it's like if you spent one hundred and sixty two million, I mean, how you probably could have used that better. Because it's a we. My frustration with Callisto isn't really the game itself; it's just what it could have been. And so it's like I, I just think don't. That... Sorry, go ahead. You go. You go. You go. Yeah, just that it's it's a mismanagement, and so we look at these games so far in advance, but then we get disappointed, and we're just like, well, I, I know they could have done, they could have did better. Yeah, and I think Callisto's uh, expense came from the fact that they kind of fast-tracked development on it to beat this Dead Space remake, because there's a lot of outsourcing in the game. There's a Striking Distance is not that big of a studio, so, you know, it's just on the come-up now, and the Callisto is their first game, so they're not, like, fully, fully staffed and probably exactly where they want to be, where their headcount is and all that, so a lot of the uh, expense came, I think, from trying to fast-track development with outsourcing a lot of it, which a lot of games always get outside help, but, um... I think that that's probably what a cost came from in this, especially with all the help with Sony and the visual department. That that doesn't come cheap. Yeah, and it did look very visually good, but I don't know. But, you know, let's, let's move over to now the final topic, the big daddy. This is gonna. This is the Last of Us news section, Naughty Dog news section in general. There's a lot of interesting news coming up with this well, you know with the success of the last of us tv show and the future of the studio what games are being worked on so we're gonna i'm gonna cover all of the studios are all the news about the studio this week and then we can go piecemeal and pick up the at the threads that are most interesting to us uh one of the biggest ones that uh, was that the Last of Us co-director Bruce Straley speaks uh, uh, speaks on not being credited in the HBO adaptation. Uh, in a recent interview with the LA Times, Straley stated that his lack of a credit on the Last of Us show is quote an argument for unioniz- unionization that someone who was part of the co-creation of that world and those characters isn't getting a credit or a nickel for the work they put into it. He said, maybe we need unions in the video game industry to be able to protect creators. Druckmann, who is an exec producer on the HBO show, is prominently credited in the show's opening sequence as the writer of the game. Seven Naughty Dog developers are also credited at the end of the show for consultation. HBO and Sony reportedly declined to comment on the record on Straley's comments. Um, Straley announced his return to game development last year with a new studio called Wildflower Interactive. In the LA Times interview, 
His relationship with Naughty Dog is described as strained. Okay, and then continuing on, HBO has claimed that the second episode of The Last of Us saw record growth in terms of viewing figures from the show's debut. The second show of the adaptation aired on Sunday night in the U.S., where it attracted 5.7 million viewers, up 22% compared to the first episode. Uh, the company said this marks the second, or this marks the largest week two audience growth for an HBO original drama series in the history of the network. And then this ties into I had uh, written about Bella Ramsey talking about um, the likelihood of a season two happening. We later on found out today that HBO has officially renewed The Last of Us for a second season. And uh, Neil Druckmann commented on the um, renewal and he said, I'm humbled, honored and frankly overwhelmed with so uh, that so many people have tuned in and connected with our retelling of Joel and Ellie's journey said game director and exec producer of the show. Neil Druckmann in a statement also said the collaboration with Craig Maison, our incredible cast and crew and HBO exceeded my already high expectations. He added, now we have the absolute pressure of being able to do it again with season two on behalf of everyone at Naughty Dog and PlayStation. Thank you. And then also um, something that broke while, um, as we were starting to record, Craig Mazon uh, said in regards to the second game, Last of Us Part 2, that is a more than a, se- a season's worth of television of content to cover. So a little hint that a Last of Us Part 2 may be broken up into two seasons to cover the, the, the game's story. And then uh, the final news regarding Naughty Dog. Neil Druckmann says that Naughty Dog is done with the Uncharted series. In an interview with BuzzFeed, the game director and co-creator of The Last of Us TV show explained that the series reaches that the series reached its end. Uh, Neil Druckmann was quoted as saying, For us, Uncharted was insanely successful. Uncharted 4 was one of the, our best-selling games. And we're able to put our final brushstrokes on that story and say that we're done. We're moving on. He also said later on in regards to The Last of Us Part 3 title that it is possible, however, he explained that it is contingent upon if they ha- if the studio can create a compelling story for it. He said, quote, if we can't come up with something, we have a very strong ending with Part 2, and that will be the end. All right. So that was that was a lot. Where do you want to Where do you want to go first with that, Mark? What's What's drawing your attention? Yeah, so I I mean I got a lot to say. Of course, I'll I'll tie it all all together, and you know we'll flow through it. I want to talk about the game games first before we kind of talk about the show. But the okay. in terms of the game, so with him talking about part three being possible, and you know if we come up with something and we have a very strong ending, a couple of things that I want to say. I obviously love the series and I've grown to enjoy this. I always liked the second one a lot. I just had some issues with it, but I, I'm more comfortable with it and I love it now. However, as much as I respect Druckmann as a creative and his ability to get emotions out of players that I didn't think were kind of possible. I will say it's slightly delusional to say that you had a very strong ending in part two where I think it is kind of the common opinion that the first game was fine on its own, but now that you made a second one, the second one almost kind of just gives you like, we opened something up, but our whole thing that we're trying to say is that like it doesn't close and there's a cycle and no story, no character story is really resolved. And so I I also bring that up because 
the one thing I kind of want to tie through all this is going back to the Bruce Straley thing. I do think it is very strange that he's not credited. He definitely is a gigantic part of why The Last of Us is such a huge deal. And the first game was so excellent. And we've heard throughout the years stories about almost like a power struggle between the two like directors and co-creators in the sense that Bruce Straley decided some things were going to be this way when Druckmann wanted them a different way. And so, of course, we got the final product, which everyone like you unanimously loved. But it, it seems kind of like, OK, well, now that he's not in the picture, like he's not getting credited. OK, and then two is a pretty far departure from the first one in, you know, certain aspects. But that's all that is OK. But the thing that's a little bit different and a little worrisome is that. So I watched the first episode of the show. I haven't watched the second, but I know that you said in you know, these kind of interviews that come in at the end of the episodes that Druckmann said there are some changes in the show that he almost likes more than the game, which he quote said yeah. the end he quote said a, a, a change in how a scene played in the show compared to the game. He said they that he thinks it's better than the way it played out in the game. That's verbatim what he said. Yeah, which which just sounds weird to me. Like I I guess maybe an argument could be made of you know, there's the thing where when, when an artist is working on something that they have to eventually release it and then they think in their head of ways it could have been better or things that could have changed it. I can maybe understand that, but there is all these other weird things about, you know, Bruce Straley not getting credited and then there being rumors of, well, this game ended up being this way, but really Druckmann wanted it this way. And so it's weird to hear him talk about things that were set up in the first game and how he likes this more now. It makes me, I don't know, it just... It, I would just say it makes me feel like a little uncomfortable. Like, I don't know why. It's not really like super negative. It's just strange. It's like, yeah, why is Bruce Straley not credited? He didn't have a small role. He had a massive role in it. I don't know. Like, I don't I think I feel like there has to be some importance placed on that. I mean, Straley hints at it when he said when he described a relationship with Naughty Dog as being strained. But I definitely do. Something happened between him and Neil Druckmann. And I don't, and you know, I can't really pinpoint exactly where it is, but I do think it has something to do with Uncharted 4. And I think because from the outside looking in, it looks like Neil Druckmann is much more a company man. He seems to be the guy that will play along and do what is requested and what is asked. While Bruce Straley, he is a, he seems he might be more of a renegade artist type that wants to do what he truly wants to do. And I, and being forced to make Uncharted 4 kind of like that time period in Naughty Dog, everybody knew from the outside looking in that the studio was going, was uh, that was a tumultuous time and that probably wasn't a fun time to be at the studio when they were making that Uncharted 4 game. And then that kind of spills over into Last of Us Part 2 where Bruce Strader kind of leaves in the middle of that game, which is like never, it's never a good sign when somebody leaves in the middle of the game because obviously you want to ship a game so that way you can get your credit on that. Because Bruce Shelley is not even credited on part two, which you know he probably added something to part two. Is nothing, it's not like he didn't do anything on part two. What I mean, so, I guess I'll have to look at I didn't know it was halfway in, I thought he was way off much earlier than that. I'm gonna take a I'll double check that, but but either way, so there's there's a weird relationship between Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann, I think. It's weird how Neil Druckmann is now credited as like kind of like the last of us. Like he's the last of us guy. He made last of us. It's like on the TV show and all that stuff like that. Like it is, it is odd because 
he put his heart and soul into making the original game, which is regarded as the better version of the two games. Obviously, one of the greatest games of all time. And from what I know about the two, Bruce Raley's background is more of an artist. So he had a lot to do with the visual like aspects of The Last of Us. While Neil Druckmann is more of a game designer in terms of levels and stuff like that. And then they came together, obviously, on creating the story. So, I mean, it's not like he, like you said, he didn't have a small part. He was a co-creator and they were originally shipped as two. It was like kind of like, um, like the Cone brothers are the other brothers that make the uncut gems. Yeah. yeah the Safety brothers, the Safety brothers, Christopher and Jonathan Nolan, like they were pitched as a duo and then something happened where like, there's a split now and Bruce Traley sadly is going to be kind of left behind. And honestly, when you look back at it, he's, gonna probably not even be tied to the last of us or people and like people's minds i will always remember because i do i mean we will always remember yeah but i I really do feel though like even though when you have these pairs and you have these duos they're each important for their own thing i really do feel like there is some kind of big massive shift from one to two where i feel like it has to be straley is like the reason why it feels so so like yeah so like weirdly paced and like frustrating and like like last of us 2 feels like artsy a little too much i feel like like you get a lot of emotions out of it that are interesting but there are a lot of things that happen that you're like "Ah, i don't like one of my things of course which i mean is just like the setup for the game i guess i don't have to go that much in detail but i hate the fact that the setup is kind of like assuming something happens in the first that doesn't really happen instead of having a new story to write. Like things like that make me feel like it's like, okay, now Druckmann's got control and he just wants to do whatever. Like it feel, I feel like, okay, we had two people creating a universe and now we know like one of them is out. So let's start changing shit. Yeah. And then, so I just looked it up. Bruce Trang left in September of 2017. Okay. So, so like very early, like, ish because because uncharted 4 launched in 16 yeah but i mean he i what i'm saying is though that they were working on part two before they were handed uncharted 4 so there probably was a different version right. or they're working on last of us part two beforehand like they finished last of us yeah and they were working on part two and then amy heading and naughty dog fell out and then Sony is like you fuckers finished this game so i'm, I'm what i'm saying is australia probably adds some input on this on the last of part two I'm not saying a yeah, lot. Well, i mean it's, it's not yeah i something. guess regardless it's all like that it's not credited and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's, it's weird and also like it, like it's it's even weird how he said like they're done with naughty dog like i f- are done with uncharted i feel like he kind of threw uncharted under the bus like it's like this that's the kind like, uh, we don't care about Uncharted, but Last of Us is what we care about because it's artsy and it's but, it yeah. says something. It's about love. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Where it's like I I feel like it's you know it's impossible to know unless you get both of them on a microphone to say exactly what their contributions are. But I like really I respect Neil Druckmann, but I like don't like the way I feel like he is handling and and guiding things. Like Uncharted 4 was, you had, you know, it was a messy situation making it. And I know that it went back to the drawing board, but I thought we ended up with a really fantastic product. I like it a lot. I think it's just a really excellent game. But to just be like, yeah, now we're done with it, that's okay to be done with something. That's not, you don't know, you don't have to keep rehashing it. But also, like, you're now going to be the Last of Us studio in perpetuity from what it sounds like. 
And that's not really mm-hmm. something I'm very interested in, especially if we're going to start with one of the greatest games of all times and now only divert from that. And then just it's like going to grow into something different than what it originally was, which the original thing was the best. I mean, we will see like until we change. I think Last of Us 2 is also great, but like I, I think the first one is better. But I also don't yeah. want to end up in like a point where we have all these changes from the show and then a part three and then now we have a part. I don't know. It's it, it's strange. That's the uncomfortable. That's the best way I can describe it. It just seems like a weird yeah. way for something to be handled. It seems like Neil Druckmann with the success of the show. He's he's basically being credited with the original Last of Us after the show, basically to the normies. Mm. If you just watch an HBO show, you just think Neil Druckmann is doing everything. Um, and not to take away, he's not like he didn't do anything, but you know, there's credit goes where credit is, you know, is due. Bruce Shelley was a co-creator of the original game, but he well, kind of just seems like he's running a little drunk off power. Like I was gonna say, I think it's a. Uh, oh, go ahead. And I was just saying, like he just, like, he's just very much like drunk on power. The game that he made says he he believes it has a strong ending. I mean, Last of Us Part Two very much feels like the middle of a trilogy. Like I I don't know how you can look at that game and be like this is the end. This like I would be pissed if this is the ending of yes. the Last of Us series. Exactly. That's that's exa- exactly right. That's where I'm saying like it's not to say there's anything wrong with his vision, but to say that that's a strong ending is I I don't really know how anyone could come to that conclusion. That's where it seems a little bit too artsy for me. And like what you're saying, kind of too drunk on power. I mean, we have a lot of examples like this in cinema and TV, maybe not so much in the game space, but like you said, you know, with the Nolan brothers, okay, when we have them split, we get Tenet. And I love Christopher Nolan, (laughs) but I don't really enjoy Tenet. It clearly has flaws, but that's when you get that kind of balance broken. And, you know, another famous example for me, my favorite television show of all time, Twin Peaks, right? Season three was all directed by David Lynch and it almost is all directed by him to a fault where one of his signatures is being abstract, but it's too abstract. Like what the fuck is really even happening? So there are examples of this where it's like, sometimes it's good to have that balance. You might have an excellent synergy, but if that breaks and then you have one person kind of go off with it, I mean, also of course you're interviewing him. He's not going to say that he doesn't think the second one ended well, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, to say it's a How? strong ending for the series, I think, is is a little out of pocket. I do, too. But I think that, that that's how he seems to come off to me more and more, like, every year. Every time I see him, he comes off a little bit more like, you know, I'm me, and this is Last of Us, and, like, we're so special. Yeah. And, I mean, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he probably does feel like he has to, like, double down just because the amount of hate he received with Part 2. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure he's probably put in a weird he's put in a weird dynamic where he has a weird relationship with the fans of the game because I mean in his mind but this is not the majority of people but in his mind like everybody hates me for what I did with the last was part two but I don't think that's a majority of people most people played the game and probably have opinions about it but they don't hate him but he you know when that game came out, it was very, very contentious. I mean, even it was contentious between us just talking about it. So imagine what he was receiving. He was receiving crazy hate mail and all this stuff. So I, I can see why he's on the back foot. And he might be like, instead of like trying to back up and appease fans, he's like, I'm going to lean in and be what you guys think I am. I do think that that is probably what's happening. But I also think that that is probably the worst option. 
I feel like the best option would be yeah. to 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 <laughs> not justify. I'm just yeah. trying to explain it. No, 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 yeah, of course. No, I think that I think the best option would be to forward facing double down on it. But show mm-hmm. a little like I don't feel like there's any him talking to himself and being like, well, you know, maybe I could have changed this and that could have been better. Like, I feel like he's doubling down on it in interviews, but also in his head, he's like, yeah, you know, this is definitely the better way to do it. Like, that was a strong ending. No. Like, oh, that was paced really well. No. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's that balance of like, hey, like, you know, you are a savant. You're incredible at what you do. However, what about this? And I feel like there's nobody probably being like, what about this? And he's like, I'm just going full speed ahead and it's working for me. But there's some things that you're like, you know, yeah, but you know, you, you, uh, some of these things could be different and probably better. That's true. But I, I do defend Neil because I do believe that he's like you said, a savant. Great. Amazing. And I, and I did tell you this too. I do th- like because he they also he mentioned in a GQ article when the second game came out because this, this is why also it's like he's kind of speaking out of both sides of his mouth. There is a story written for part three. Remember, he did say that in an interview. There's an with outline. GQ. Yeah, he said there's an outline. And there's an outline. And I do think like I, I did tell you if part. I think part three can make part two better. Sure. Depending yeah. on what they do. So maybe he knows something that we don't know. Well, I mean, of course he does. And also, I'm sure I don't, he has... I, I, and I also don't believe that part three is not in development. I just believe that they don't want to say that that way. They want to just announce games quicker to release. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And of course he would know where they're planning on going with it. I just think that, yeah, just to say that is, is you know, the second one didn't end strongly. Like it just didn't. But that's okay if you're going to do another one. Um, but just with him as a whole, again, Yes, I think he's incredibly talented. I'm not saying that he's not. I think he's amazing. I will say, though, it is really important to recognize separate from him, the team. Like, those game, these games are not, not at all just like, oh, well, I'm playing it because the story is really good. Uh-uh. It's visually, it's fantastic. They're very clean. Not a lot of bugs in them. The gameplay is really good. There's a lot of detail into the AI, the combat, mechanics, stuff like that. And so I also want to make sure that I say that because like Uncharted 4 doesn't have a very excellent story. However, the gameplay is fucking sublime. And so like we need to remember that he is not the one that is really reliable for that. So but that's what I wanted is- to point out to you, though. His background is game design. He's more of a designer. So but I don't know, you know where he's not in the trenches. I, but I don't know where his hands in the overall like... uh he loves the story and he loves getting the credit for the story, but I don't know how far his hands are in terms of like uh, level design and all that stuff. He may be kind of more intimately involved with that than he likes to lean on. He wants to be known as like a savant artist and stuff like that, but maybe, just, just, you know, just, I mean, I guess just, we'll, I'm just saying that's his background. That's why I just wanted to point that out. Well, yeah, but I, I think st- I'm not. And again, that's totally fine. And it should be his background if he's the one that's at the head of the studio. But I, it, you know, you recognize all the other people that work there. Like, for example, yeah. when I think of like, okay, Death Stranding or Metal Gear Solid, right? A lot of say Hideo gets says like but that too. A lot of those things are very specifically Hideo. Like, they're the characters, they're the crazy story. Last of Us is not just that story. A lot of it is the shooting and the grappling and all that other shit. And that's from Uncharted. And these are things that have been built on game over game with different directors before him 
but like a lot of studio members that have just risen in the ranks. So I'm like, all I'm saying is he's great, but I'm not going to act for a second like the studio itself isn't also fucking fantastic. Like that has to be taken into account. If you had a game that had that kind of pacing and those kind of frustrations, but it didn't play as fantastically as it did, it would not be considered so like so amazing. Because on a technical level, it's like flawless. Yeah. And I mean, I think he gets credit for that a little bit. I know you're saying that he's not in the trenches, but he gets credit because like the, at the end of the day, he's put at the end of the day, if those aspects were not good, he would get blamed for them. Well, I'm just saying, remember the team is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is all just Neil and Druckmann, think, Neil Druckmann, Neil Druckmann, but it's like, yeah, it's made by Naughty Dog. Yeah, and I feel like he's earned that to be, I think there's only three people in games that really are like that. Neil Druckmann, Hideo, and then I will put Ken Levine in there, depending yeah. on how this uh, new game comes up. I feel like that's that's very rare and it's earned, and I think those three people earned it. But I don't but think, I, was also I, gonna, I don't think Neil Druckmann is in that. I think that, I think I put I think him the, in there. Well, okay, yeah, sure, but I I know that, but I'm saying like even with Last of Us to Creation is obviously okay. It's him and Bruce Straley, so he really yeah. only has like one game that's under just his name. Ken Levine has you know System Shock, System Shock Two. He has Bioshock. Hideo Kojima also has Metal Gear. A lot of them, and also Death Stranding. But I feel like those universes are so creative. Like Last mm-hmm. of Us is excellent, but it's not. It, like it's it's just the execution of everything it's not is solely that, his and i understand what you're saying you can yeah, even like, say that with uncharted too yeah because like, uncharted wasn't his it's more of amy hennings than it is yeah, his that's so. exactly yeah and like the execution is at the highest tier but the concepts themselves aren't the most unique or like really creative like uncharted pro- is like I mean, the best even, version of indiana jones and last of us is like you know it's not zombies i know that but it is post-apocalyptic but it's just the best version of it so that's where I'm like, I feel like he has so much pride with the show. Yeah, but this show, I mean, he's also not the one making the fucking show again. You have H. That's the thing. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, and again, this is not you. And I agree with a lot of things you're saying. I'm just getting amped up about it. That's the fucking thing, though. You've got HBO and you've got an award fucking winning show creator that made Chernobyl running it. So, yes, you are getting an excellent product. But Neil Druckmann is not the fucking one doing that. Even the changes, right? The changes are from the show creator of Chernobyl, and now Neil Druckmann's just like, "Oh yeah, I like that too." I don't know, like it's not I mean, a big deal, but yeah, I don't know. Like he is credited as a co-creator of the show, yeah. So I think, I think, I just, I understand where you're coming from. Where I think Neil needs to probably he needs to make his own game, his own idea, fresh, you know. Which I hope, I, which is what I would want. I don't want another. Yeah, that's what I want too. So I, 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 I want Last of Us Part Three, but I also want something new from him so i i wouldn't I need both i just need game development to be quicker obviously that's not how that's not how modern de- game development works the games are a lot more complex take a lot longer to make but also something i wanted to note is that um i feel like you can see the difference between creators and uh in terms of like being like you said humble being able to like you know take yourself back like i feel like cory barlog was a did a very humble thing with god or ragnarok I mean, he basically he didn't take really any credit, but he's credited as a uh, creative director for it. But all we heard about was the game director, who I'm I'm sorry, I don't know that his name off the top of my head. But it was a it was just basically a guy who's been at uh, Santa Monica since the beginning, and he kind of got up uh, like you know promoted to this game director, and he got his shine and his moment. And I think that that just kind of shows the different level of like uh, 
like ego. And obviously to be a great creator, there needs to be a certain level of ego. So that's why we let people like Hideo slide. Like Hideo Kojima has his name all over the game 75 different times. And we let it slide because that's part of being a creative. There is a little bit of that ego. So I think just Neil Druckmann needs to prove himself with his own creative idea. I agree. I agree with that. And I just want to bolster it by saying too, I want want it to, you know, just 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 to be out there or to be remembered, the to almost like the the flavors of greatness we're getting here. in with Hideo Kojima and Ken Levine, bless both of them making most of uh, you know a majority of my top five games of all time list just them two i think that you know i love playing those games i know that i've said this before and this is like a point of contention it is you know partly with age and stuff like that but i don't think bioshock is remembered for its gameplay that's not saying that it's not good but i'm saying that's not what it's remembered for it's not it's remembered for its excellence in storytelling wildly fucking creative blend of different art styles and just tones and all of that kind of stuff and you know uh, same thing with hideo kojima is the gameplay in his games while great or whatever it you're there and you remember it for the things that you experience that you are never going to get anywhere else i think both with naughty dog and even with you know i think santa monica is a good example of this too is is like you have you have humble creators, which is the first step of like, okay, well, they're not going to be too full of themselves and in the way. But those games are so gameplay heavy and great based on their gameplay that I feel like so much of that has to come from the team almost more than the creatives. Like, or maybe not more, but like there, there's more weight to those teams than there would be for like a Kojima or like a Ken Levine, if you get what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the things that make those games great are like God of War. I mean, the gameplay is, I mean, you're not going to go like a second without saying the gameplay is like what has you playing the game. The story's great. Yeah. And I'm glad that the story is but fantastic, I, but it's not like an out there idea or something like creatively groundbreaking that's like, this is from this mm-hmm. one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I also, I do think you may be like downplaying their involvement with combat. Even both, because I remember even hearing Ken talk about the combat and how they wanted to make it like an RPG kind of shooter thing and blending the blending like game, like gameplay mechanics and stuff like that. So like I do think maybe not Hideo Kojima because I don't but know. No, how Ken his, Levine, I never heard uh-uh. gameplay in those are not that great. That is not what those games are known for, though. But what I'm saying is, I think you're downplaying like you know, the game director's hands in every aspect of the game. Like they do take, they, they are part of the gameplay mechanics and probably are part of like what we want to do new. Obviously the gameplay, like creative leads probably bolster it up to them and tell them this is what we want to do. And then they say yes or no still. Yeah. I mean, it, like, you know, that's, t- I'm not saying that I, well, I understand what you're saying, but I also don't want to just make it seem like, Neil Druckmann just writes a story and then he's like throws it to them no, and he's like fucking make the game. That's not yeah, I mean that's not what I'm saying, but I'm I am saying that I would not put him on that level of like he is this auteur when he's fucking not. That's like when I feel like the the thing is that I'm worried about is like we gotta be careful because then we say that and then you blow smoke up his ass and then like now we end up being like, all right, he's attached to some shit. What if it's like a shitty team and it's like, all right, now it's a trash game and we have this thing where we get a fucking Amy Hennig is attached to this. It's like, remember the teams. 
I don't think that that's going to be the issue. Well, because he's attached to Naughty Dog. Sony's going to. He's attached to Naughty Dog, so that's not going to happen. But I'm saying, like, we got to. There are people that are going to be. Like, okay, even with Ken Levine, you see the trailer for his new game and you see his influence on it. But it's not because you played it and you're like, this is a Ken Levine. You just see it and you're like, okay, visually, this is a Ken Levine game, but it's fucking Bioshock. But, you know, obviously mixed around and that's fantastic. I couldn't fucking be more excited. But I'm saying you see it and you and me and same thing with Death Stranding 2. Of course, we know it's Death Stranding 2, but you just see the designs and you're like, wow, that's definitely Kojima. I think that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying is just I think you're right. And they are extremely important to it. I'm just saying I almost feel like it's it's more equal or rounded out that it's like a whole team effort with like a God of War or a or even like a even like a Red Dead Redemption, like it's a whole team effort. Like that's Rockstar. It's a fantastic, renowned studio, and obviously the people who write it are so important. But they're not held to this level of like they created this really highly conceptual. I mean, I think the Hauser brothers get a lot of credit for their work. No, I know, but I'm saying, but they're not like a like a Kojima or a Levine are like very specific you know what i mean like even directors there are great directors but there are certain directors that are like this is the artsy one that's what i'm saying i think Druckmann is getting there a little too quickly when i'm like i don't artsy for what like what are we saying artsy for let's that's what i'm saying it's just him not with santa monica or any even the hauser brothers because the conversation's not happening around them it's the way they carry themselves with Druckmann, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I think the way Neil, yeah, yeah. Neil carries it. The thing he carries himself like a celebrity. He he is. He does. That's definitely he true. He created. He created that for himself, and that obviously comes with the negatives and the positives for him. But I mean, I'm honestly not the. I'm more fearful of him falling in love with like uh, creating film and stuff like that. That's what I'm more scared of losing him from games. I, so I kind of yeah. want to keep him in games. I feel like that's a bigger possibility than him leaving Sony and working on another game for another team. Uh-huh. I think the bigger fears of him or the bigger like uh, concern would be if he starts loving this TV show. Cause you know, them HBO checks gotta be nice. Yeah. And I, I, and I that's a lot less work than <laughs> making a game, not a lot less work, but a lot less, uh, there's, it, I guess you, would you say a lot less work than making a TV show movie? I think so. Right. I don't know. I really don't know. I would. I wouldn't feel comfortable giving a definitive of like what I would say to that. Um, it seems like it from the outside in terms of production. Well, yeah, the production of a game seems a lot more expensive than a. Movie. Well, yeah, and time and time. You know, time is a huge yeah. portion of it too. Where it's it's a lot quicker too. But even then, that's not necessarily true. It's quicker to make these shows because they're based on something. But if you're writing a brand new script for something, that can take yeah, you're right an extremely long time. So I think a lot of that is the adaptation of it. And I just want to be clear that I don't think that he's going to leave Sony. I don't even think that's like even close to being a possibility. I only kind of meant maybe Bruce Straley would have been a better example. Is just I don't. I think we have to be careful with giving singular people so much credit on projects with like hundreds of people that are important for it where i feel like of course when you have when you have a movie or even a tv show or music is like another example you have these like one man bands you know what i mean of course with music you have it but with movies, you have experiences where it's like the team is extremely small and it's like just the director's vision and they wrote it and all this. Games don't work that way. 
you have like a couple of really small examples where it's like a single designer. Maybe it's, you know, like Undertale is like a famous example of that. But none yeah. of these big game productions are like that. There's so many people that have so much to do with it. So I'm just saying that I feel like it's important to if they if if they are one of these people where just no matter what you see, like a one screenshot of a game and you're like, oh, that's this guy. Sure. But, you know, if we're not there yet, just be careful. Otherwise, we're going to have this motherfucker changing Last of Us every couple of years and being like, well, this is the vision I wanted. This is the best thing. And everyone's eating it up. But it's like, yeah, of course they are. It's an HBO show. It's a Naughty Dog game. Like, of course, they're fantastic. But like, it's not all you. Like, you're doing a lot, but it's not all you. That's true. But and I want to end it on this. What happens if Bruce Shirley and his new studio, what happens if they release a dud? How does that, yeah, then like, he, does that change? Well, think about it. If that happens, that means that Naughty Dog, the team, was extremely important. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the problem with us having all... Like, okay, that's the same thing with Amy Hennig and Forspoken and Glenn Schofield and Callisto. When you put too much importance on these single people who, like, were helming a game, you're forgetting about all those people that, like, built the actual game. Amy Henning, we still got, she still hasn't released anything. All right, I know well, she's, she's attached to, to Forspoken. For, she is. She's attached to Forspoken, but she hasn't released like her own personal project. So we still have to wait and see with her. Bruce Shelley, we still have to wait and see with her. Glenn Schofield, I completely agree, but also didn't believe he des- deserved the hype that he was getting yeah. beforehand. But I'm, but you, but um, bring but up- we need to, I think we need to see, because I do, I understand and- what you're saying. Naughty Dog, it's like the Lakers. This is a well known franchise, you know? Most championships are tied for the most NBA championships. It's, it's a great, it's a great organization, and you could probably plug in, put people in there, and it's gonna always have something good because there's so much talent. You're learning from the best, so your bottom is becoming it goes to the middle, and then you, you're all facets of it. It's probably the best gaming development studio out now. So anybody from there obviously gets renowned because you even hear like random motherfuckers leave Naughty Dog and they go to other studios and people get hyped up. Well, yeah, but that's that's yeah, that's true, and that but that's also where I'm saying like the Bruce Straley example you you brought up is like, I mean, yeah, it's a prime example of like if it fails, it wouldn't be that surprising. That's that thing I always say is that the team itself. You, you is, think it? No, the team is you so think it important. Be surprising? It's not, dude. I mean, that is the exact. I agree that the team is. I agree that the team is important. But I do think that I don't know. I I, I I'm like fifty fifty. I agree with what you're saying that the team is important, but I I I don't think that these guys don't contribute. Yeah, but I think like that little. Okay, but I don't. Where are you getting from what I'm saying that they're contributing a small amount? All I'm saying is that there's not that much importance placed on the team. But where are you getting that I'm saying the creatives are not putting a lot of work into it? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like. It's made by hundreds of people, of and it's not just them. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like fifty fifty. Like I understand what you're saying, but then like if Bruce Shelley does release a dud, I feel like that reflects more on him, and it makes Neil look better. Yeah, but as opposed you to not, you're saying that it's mostly about the team. Yeah, but the I don't understand. We're you're, we're arguing like the opposite of what you're saying. If you have Bruce Shelley and Neil Druckmann side by side, but a different team. And Bruce Straley releases a dud, then that means the team is more important, which is what I'm saying. So I don't understand what you're trying to argue. I'm saying no, what that, I'm saying. I think I'm saying that's like the one, like what one of the two is going to earn more credit. You know what I'm saying? So, like you said with the Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, like 
you know, Christopher Nolan released Tenet and it was kind of mid and it's like, oh, damn, he needs Jonathan Nolan to like, you know, help him write the story and reel it in. Yeah, but movies are a different thing. That's what we also just went over. Movies and TV shows are not as much like you need these other people as like building it out. Like if you want to use an example of like when, you know, when you have somebody designing something, right? There's like a very famous interview you can watch about Glenn Schofield talking about the importance of the scene in Dead Space where they have the tentacle come out and grab Isaac and pull him through the hallway, right? He didn't build that. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of it was just like them saying, we can't fucking do this and him being like, no, I want it. And then they figured it out. So that's where I'm saying with games, like they have that, of course they have a massive, that's why they're leading it. But I'm saying it is important to note like, you're going to have the team that's able to do what the creative wants. So Bruce Straley, if he comes out with a studio and they make a Doug, I mean, that would suck. I wouldn't want that. But there's also tons of examples of high like name people leaving, getting a new studio, and then that not working out. The thing that's always consistent, though, is when you have a team that is consistently good and just builds over the years and consistently releases fire. That's the only thing I trust is a team... That is like consistent. And yeah, that team also includes a director. But what I'm saying is like the single people leaving off, I don't, that doesn't mean much to me. It's like the whole collective that's been growing together. That means a lot. It's Neil Druckmann, but it's also all the people he has with him. That's what I'm saying. Like a more, I feel like the only other comparison would be like if you had Neil Druckmann go to another studio, because Bruce Straley is also just out of the picture now anyway. We're only talking about him because he's not credited here. Neil Druckmann's the one that's like still working. Still, uh, yeah. You know? That's true. And he did also, like, uh, when he left, he was part of it was burnout too. So he is probably yeah. taking a break. I also hope that all of these are good. I don't want any any of these games to be bad. I'm just saying it seems like... Well, I, don't a, think, I don't think they're going to be bad, especially with Naughty Dog. No, 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 no like not Naughty saying, Dog. I'm saying like, like the new like new studios. Like Bruce Straley oh, yeah, having yeah, a new yeah, studio. Yeah. I'm saying like I hope that all of those endeavors are good. It's just those are the ones I'm more worried about rather than, you know, like a studio that's been in smooth operation for years announcing another title. Yeah. Well, I feel like we covered that definitely in depth. Um I don't yeah. have any other news topics to cover this week. Mark, do you have any you have any other closing thoughts, final words? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I guess so. Yeah, I said not really, but I guess I do. Just with Last of Us, I mean, I'm excited to watch the second episode, right? I really love the first mm-hmm. episode, and I'm interested to see the changes that you know you've kind of mentioned and to see how they play out. And of course, now it's the weekend again, so episode three is right around the corner. I'm excited to see that too. I think it's cool that they're renewing it for a second season. I have really no issues with that, and them making a part three. That's fine. Like all of those things are cool. Even with Druckmann, it's like, you know, as long as these projects are continuing and they're good, that's great. I just think that some balance could be good and to not get like too full of yourself too quickly, I think is my thing. He's responsible for, you know, like all on him, he's responsible in my mind for Last of Us 2. Last of Us 1 to me is Bruce Straley and him and the team. Last of Us 2 is, so I'm saying like that's, you have one game. And that's not the better of the two that exist in that IP. So, like, let's let's relax. You've got PlayStation's mm-hmm. best and brightest also behind you too. So it's like PlayStation is going to give you everything you need. Yeah, and the show's great. I'm, I'm interested. All, to also, it's all good. 
yeah it's all it's all good it's like yeah we're arguing like like the highest quality of tiers we're arguing if a game is like uh, in terms of scoring a nine a ten to like a nine and it's like this is all great problems i have at the end of the day so it's not the end of the world we're just passionate about it because we just you know we love playstation we rep the home team all the time yeah i mean yeah but, that's um, that's true and it's it's just the it's the it's the us analyzing the industry for this happening now a lot what i'm talking about specifically is creatives who have like a lot behind their name and they break off and do another studio and then it seems like when those have been coming out they haven't been the best and so i'm just saying yeah the Mm -hmm. importance is not i feel like too i'm not gonna say the importance is not i'd rather just say i feel like there's a little too much importance placed on like a big name to sell a title when it's like i don't know about that i know that you can't list out 100 Mm -hmm. people but also like maybe you shouldn't have dissolved the studio that made these excellent games you know what i mean yeah like uh, yeah that's like, like with visceral and stuff like that i'm sure you had a great team there but you forced them to make dead space 3 a game they didn't really want to make a multiplayer co-op game and then they all got broken up and dissolved and then now you're like all right well we got glenn Schofield. all right but he's not visceral games 10 years passed mm-hmm. um but yeah so yeah, I mean the only and also I mean my my closing thought I am definitely interested to see what becomes of the factions, just because Neil is not the game director and he seems to kind of somewhat hands off. Obviously, he's ahead of Naughty Dog, so he's you know he's peeking his head in there. But uh, he's I'm excited to see what becomes of factions, just to hear what Last of Us or see what Last of Us becomes through the eyes of somebody else. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it'll be fantastic. I really do. It's like. You know, Uncharted Lost Legacy is was not through the eyes of Neil or Bruce Straley. That was directed and headed by different... Or Amy. Yeah, all by different people different in the studio. But I guess that might be a tough one because that's like, well, you're already using the base bones of Uncharted. But that's that, that's I think that's where I'm also coming from is like the bones of Last of Us 2 is a combination of Last of Us 1 and Uncharted 4. You definitely have a lot of Uncharted 4 just like gameplay put in there too and the way the the rope mechanic works and the way the foliage works and the mud and all the all that kind of other stuff so i mean yeah i think factions will be fantastic i really don't think factions could be anything less than like spectacular because you're just gonna have that level of technical and multiplayer and me i mean come on of the amount of hours i put in fucking uncharted 4 like of course i'm gonna love factions no matter what so yeah i'm excited for all these things i just i just want I think a little bit of humility can go a long way. And I don't think that we're going to get the best product out of somebody who doesn't think they have like somebody who thinks that what they're doing currently is the best shit ever. I think doesn't Mm -hmm. net the best product. I think the best product comes out of somebody who thinks they're great, but they still want to prove something. Yeah, I, I, I 1000% agree with that. But, um, that's all we have for you, ladies and gentlemen, at Go for Bronze, episode 15. We love we love Naughty Dog. We love games. And hopefully, you know, all these future games we talk about are good. Can't wait to get into the Dead Space remake. But um, that's all we have for you this week, folks. The Go for Bronze podcast is a production of Go for Bronze Media, LLC. Hit us up on Twitter at Go for Bronze Pod. Instagram, go for Bronze Pod. my dreams. That's right, we have. You can check us out on Twitch at Go for Bronze Pod. 
also our YouTube channel at Go for Bronze. This is the big dog. Until next time.